Hey everyone, hey and welcome back to yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. This is your host, Tom Quee. This is what we do every week. We're going through the entire back catalogue of Metallica, A to Z, A to Z, however you want to pronounce it. Today we are, I don't know, we're about a third, we're just over a third of the way through on the H's, uh, Hero of the Day specifically. I know a lot of people have got a lot of warm feelings towards this song. I opened up the Twitter a little earlier, follow us at MetallicaPod, and I, I tend to ask normally what people think and read about on the show. It's definitely go on there and we'll get through them in a second. Um, just before we get to today's show, today's guest, please follow us as well, MetallicaPod at gmod.com. You can get in touch with us, subscribe, comment. We've got the Patreon as well. Lots of people are very, very generous to donate on there. And essentially how that works is anything that I do, you know, I've got a lot of cool ideas coming up on the channel, episodes like this. They go on there first. So if you want to give back, you get to listen to them a week, two weeks before we go on air. Uh, we've got the iTunes as well. Please leave us a review. And if you're not familiar with the concept of the show as well, it's it's, it's me and a fan. You know, it's me and someone that most of the time I've never met, I've never spoken to, maybe I've spoken to two minutes before we do the actual episode, but what ties us together is the love of Metallica, and there are always great episodes for that, but normally I've just got, you know, a teenager from Idaho, or an aging dad from Iceland, uh, but here I have a straight-up professional, all the way from the BBC, Jamie, how's it going? You had such a good opportunity to announce me as the hero of the day. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> but Jamie, good to have you on. Thank you, thank you for having me. It's good okay. to be here. And uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to dwell on it too much, but uh, as I said before, you work for the World Service, is that right? That's right, yeah. Uh, I present a program called BBC Minute, which if any of your listeners are interested, they can check out at bbc.com forward slash minute the, the clues in the name it, it only lasts a minute and you know i am i'm such a sleuth uh, i'm such a spy i i found your twitter just for when on air i was just yep. interested to see what's going on i see that you're a aston villa supporter is that right i am yes and uh, uh, more interestingly to me it said scp supporter and i was like what's scp is it like some fictional world is that right or no it's, no um it's a football thing. It's yeah. a football thing. Okay. They're more commonly known as Sporting Lisbon, but their name is Sporting Club de Portugal. It's the, it's the club that Ronaldo used to play for. I uh, see. I who see. I am a, I'm a member of. Okay, well, this will be the first and last time we speak about football on the show. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, you said earlier that, uh, just before we went on there, you live near a significant piece of Metallica history. Is that right? I do, yes. Uh, I, live in, I live in South East London. I live in the borough of Greenwich, um, more specifically in Woolwich. Uh, so you probably know where this is going already. Right. Uh, on a on a three or four times a week, I probably go past uh, what was formerly known as the Woolwich Odeon, where a certain drummer uh, flew over from California to see Diamond Heads. Ah. And, uh, ended up going on tour of them. It's now a gospel church. If anyone's interested. Oh, that's a shame. That's a shame. And what about um, the BBC and Metallica? I was trying to think earlier. I remember when they did their Hardwired Press. I think they were on Zane Lowe, and yeah. uh, there was a few things. But are there any memories you can think of? Links. Uh, yeah, uh, when when I emailed Metallica's manager to try and request an interview with Lars uh, on the Hardwired Tour Just Gone and the interview was granted, uh, mm. I got it, uh, even though we, we had a time booked and then for personal reasons Lars had to pull out, I was never actually given uh, a reason why but the one that I do remember, there was the classic Made of Veil session but the one yes. I really remember is um, listening to Metallica, it wasn't specifically a BBC thing but I can remember listening to them when they headlined the 1997 Reading Festival, mm. uh, which was broadcast about a week or so later, uh, because I believe it was actually the day that Princess Diana died, wasn't it? Oh, right. Day. Yes. Yeah. So I think they broadcast it, or maybe on Steve Lamax's evening session. I can certainly remember listening to them on that, because they played 
Hero of the Day, uh, which ah. I think might have actually been one of the last times they did in a sort of traditional capacity. I know they've done it at the Bridge School concerts, and of course there was yeah. the uh, the S and M performances as well. So yeah, I mean we'll we'll, we'll get to that. Um, but that that is an interesting point because the song Hero of the Day has only been played seventy two times. Uh, you know, being debuted in Barcelona in September ninety six, and as you say, yeah, only seventy two. I would have thought it would have been a stapled on classic of the set. Like absolutely, yeah. I've seen Metallica live three times and i've never seen them do it um so yeah, yeah no that's interesting no i agree i, I, I would have thought it would have been more than that it's quite yeah surprising, yeah it? absolutely and just before we get to the song uh, as i said before metallicabot at gmail.com if you want to get in touch with me if you agree if you disagree with any of our opinions on the songs they're always welcome and alex finney has been in touch alex has been on the show many times he's a dedicated patron shout out to alex every time he's a wonderful human being and he says tom this is on the topic of uh, harvester tom the world cup is over and with england's finish writing an email about harvester of sorrow seems appropriate my first exposure to Metallica was Unjustice for All. If this album were my first time riding a bike, Harvester of Sorrows, where I was no longer falling off or wobbling all over the street. I enjoy that it doesn't start out with a clue of its impending heaviness. A hint comes before the drum interlude, then the weight of the song hits. Like being served a dish that looks and smells divine, then is sublime upon tasting. The lyrics, drink up, shoot in, let the beatings begin, always made me think that this is another anti-drug song. Perhaps a little brother to Master of Puppets. It could be read as a story of the descent of a young man into mad to become the harvester ending with a jarring infanticide. Sometimes I think of Bodies by the Sex Pistols or the short story Pain Guard by Harlan Ellison. I can't, I can't say if I've actually read that story, so that's interesting. I'll have to check that out. Uh, I look forward to hearing the path you and your guests take in your breakdown as Legend So this was sent before, but thank you for reading it slightly after. Thank you, Alex. And um, I guess, Jamie, Metallica and yourself, where does it begin? This is going to sound slightly strange. I don't know if it begins in 1991 or 1996, so okay. bear with me. I can remember being in a car with my mum and my dad and my sister, and it was a Sunday evening, and we were listening to the Top 40 on Radio 1, and it was summer, and there was a metal song playing. Now, in my head, I've dated that to being into Sandman, which is okay. the only sort of song I could think about. But certainly, uh, the uh, weirdly, the first song I knew I was consciously aware of uh, was Metallica, was hero of the day does virgin radio still exist outside of london uh, i think it's now absolute radio i think or yeah or, yeah 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 we've got it back in london uh, as virgin i, I remember i remember Je- jeff and pete right yes them yeah, pete, yeah. The, the, the drive time show yeah, i yeah. can remember i can remember hearing uh hero of the day uh, on that and going out and buying the single from the Virgin Megastore in Coventry like a week or so later. Oh, I miss the Virgin, uh, the Vir- for US listeners, Virgin Megastore was like a huge emporium, wasn't it? It was a great store. They had them in America as well. I, I, there was oh, they did. There was one in Disney I think I went to as a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but again, like, what you're probably noticing like a pattern like amongst a, a lot of your listeners here. I had a friend who had an older brother who was, you know, he was really cool. He had a Gibson Les Paul. He had long hair and he had a poster of James Hetfield on his wall so I can just remember Metallica being kind of a mythical thing for quite a long time and wanting to be part of that and obviously back then we didn't you know you couldn't just pick your phone out of your pocket and you yeah. could listen to you know Dyer's Eve or whatever you know you had to kind of save up your money you know do your paper round and I found load for like six pounds fifty in oh. spinner disc in Coventry it's amazing what you remember isn't it yeah and uh from then, it was just a case of oh, it must have been, it must have been quite a while afterwards actually, because I got reload for the following Christmas. Mm. Um, so, but and then from that point onwards, it was probably just like everybody else. It was just, you know, kind of trying to get as much of it as you could when you could, and 
borrowing tapes off people and you know swapping cds you know you can borrow my whatever my corn album yep. your metallica record that kind of thing so but i've been a fan ever since you know along with i know we said that we wouldn't mention football again but along with aston villa metallica have been one of my longest relationships They've yeah it's been such a, a constant throughout and, throughout and my 34 years and like you know like villa you've got the highs of the the martin o'neill era to a certain extent and then you've yep. got uh the lows going through like i mean Every, everything else yeah. <laughs> everything else yeah um so i mean you know through say anger then you still die hard or was that tough for you? Because a lot of people love it. A lot of people can't stand the even it being right. mentioned. My, my my first issue with some anger, anger is this. I, I don't want to come across as some sort of musical snob or anything like that. So forgive me if I do. The main people, the main issue people have with it is when they say, I don't like the production on it. Mm. The production on it is actually very good. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to take a wild stab in the dark here and, and suggest that you have seen some kind of monster. <laughs> a few times, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so there's that bit, they're, they're doing the, um, there's two bits that really kind of stick out. There's that first bit when um, uh, when they're actually putting together the lyrics of Frantic and, and Bob's doing his, uh, da, 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 you know, that bit. Mm-hmm. And you can see how that song's being put together. But more importantly, on that song that doesn't make the cut when Lars is sat in the corner of the room, you know, he screams and he screams so hard he falls over. Yep. That is production. I think people get production and engineering mixed up. The engineering, when people say that the snare drum sounds like a tin of beans, I'm with all of you. That is absolutely terrible. Um, but I'm glad that St. Anger exists. I know that, you know, from listening to your podcast, I know that you're quite a big fan of it. Yeah. Frantic would make my top 10 Metallica songs mm. of all time. I was lucky enough when Death Magnet, as I said earlier on, I live in Greenwich, so I live quite near the O2 Arena. So when, oh, uh, sorry, when Death Magnetic came out, Metallica did a show where they headlined... I think it was announced on the Friday afternoon and the show was on the Monday night and tickets were five quid, if you can believe that. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, and basically you just, you, they, you basically just got tickets where they put you. And I was on the top, the front row of the top tier of the O2. I don't know if you've been to the O2. It's absolutely massive. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually seeing Paul McCartney there this December. So yeah. Oh, marvelous. Mm. Oh, well, uh, send me an email. I'll, I'll meet you for a drink. Yeah. Beforehand. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a big venue, but Metallica played in the middle and, um, St. Anger had kind of been forgotten by that point. You know, Death Magnetic was out. It was kind of considered a return to form for Metallica. And I was I was quite surprised, actually, A, that they played Frantic, and B, how strong it sounded in the set with everything else. They were. I mean, mm. this, wasn't, this wasn't a Metallica, a traditional Metallica set. They didn't play Enter Sandman uh, that night. This was, this was for the fans. It was, it was a fan club only show. Um, but I don't, I can't sit through St. Anger in the same way that I could sit through Ride the Lightning or Master of Puppets. But yeah. if any of the songs come on my shuffle, if I'm out running or cycling or whatever, I don't skip them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we'll get to Hero of the Day, which, <laughs> you know, even me, the, the load reload miser, I, I, I will admit straight up that I think this yeah. song is fantastic. I really enjoy this oh. song. And this song is in a very, you know, privileged position for me personally in terms of songs that I really enjoy. I'm talking about songs maybe like Ophelia by The Band or My Odd School by Steely Dan. I'm not trying to show off by my muso knowledge here. What I'm saying <laughs> is within the first note or two, it really makes me feel something. Like, you know, this here in a day, when it starts, I can't help but feel nostalgic, bittersweet, you know, positive. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean because I feel the same thing with it. And I think that, not just Metallica, but metal in general is such a big 
macho thing and it really is I, I think it's fair to say that in the great classic lyricists James Hetfield will not make the list no not like someone like Maynard James Keenan from Tool might have or uh, I know someone like Jesse Lacey from Brand New but oh, he's yeah. really laying he's really laying himself bare in this song and it starts from those opening notes so when you say that you really feel something when you first hear that first arpeggiated chord I completely know what you mean, but it's what's I think it's a bit, a bit of the magic about Metallica as well is I don't know what what it is that I'm feeling. Do you know what I mean? I'm kind of feeling it as I'm talking to you about it now. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, compositionally, the song's quite simple, really. It's taking you know two separate parts. The major part is the, the arpeggios chords you say, and then, then the harder, heavier element that James is singing over. And it's such a classic riff. Just you know, if you play on guitar, the way it's just building up on that A string, but it's framed so well. Those first three notes, like, duh, duh, duh. like it just kind of it, everything coheres and coagulates, and it's so warm, and it and it builds so well as well. We have this riff, and the tone is absolutely terrific. You know, uh, listen to Metal Like Your Podcast. They went deep on the sort of Kirk's guitars and that idea, and I don't really know what exactly they were playing in here but that building slow uh the cymbal crashes the way you can hear a second guitar doing the octaves jason's bass as well sounds so loose and burbly i can't get over it this era of metallica these these two albums load and reload like as musicians i think they feel a lot more free than they have done on i think all of their other records you made a good point when uh when we started off when you said that you didn't like load and reload but you really like this song yeah bear with me on this compositionally this song is not actually that much different to one up until a point mm. you've got that picked guitar intro you've got a chorus that's not particularly heavy and then you've got that kind of quite heavy bit at the end i, I know that it, it's kind of like one in a major key if you know mm. what i mean which mm. is absolutely a metallica classic you know we're not gonna we're not gonna oh, yeah. deny that um but i think it's it's just I can remember in about the year 2000 turning around to my dad and saying All the Small Things by Blink-182 was just a really, really great pop song. Yeah. And to me, this is just a really, really great rock song, you know? Mm. Mm. It's, it's a power ballad, right, to a certain extent? I'd, I'd say so. I'd yeah. say so. I mean, I know it's, I know it's a dirty term because yeah, it is. <laughs> you just think about Bon Jovi and Motley do. Crue, don't you? And, you know, I love both of those bands, yeah. but it's not really a term that you want maybe associated with a band <laughs> like Metallica. But you're right, it is a power ballad, and maybe that's it. And the title in of itself is quite an evocative title isn't it and this is another thing not just about metallica but about music in general it's always just so open to what your interpretation of it is uh to me i don't know what james and lars think when they are when they were writing this song but as i said earlier on james is really vulnerable in this if you listen to some of the things that he says you know um, excuse me while I tend to how I feel. It, it's, mm. You know, that's on that ar- arpeggiated verse that we were yep. we were talking about a lot. Um, what's the other one as well? Um, I'm not all me, so please excuse me again while I tend to how I feel. This fist I've made, um, I'm, I can't think of the lyrics off the top of my head, but this is very vulnerable and very open. And, and I think if you watch St. Anger, and this, this is probably the, cul- the culmination of that era. And I think if you listen to Until, he, Until It Sleeps, which I think is a song about his mother's cancer, isn't yeah. it? Um, I think he's becoming a lot more open lyrically on these on these two albums that are that are paired together and it you see Metallica in a different way when you listen to this Uh, I wasn't old enough. I'm 34 years old I wasn't old enough to know what the backlash was do you know what I mean this was just oh cool I'm listening to Metallica I can see why people would have been really really cross 
you know, particularly when you have you seen the video for this song? Yeah, yeah, we we discussed it on our little sort of music video recap, and uh, yeah, the video is quite audacious. I quite like it. It's, it's absolute nonsense. Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> it's just it's just dressing dressing your toys up in new costumes, essentially. It, exactly. I, I mean, I I I had to do a music video uh, as a project when I was at uni, and it kind of reminds me of of this. It's it's just. Um, yeah, it's it's very strange, but it's a great song, and you know, I, I did see the tweet that you put out earlier on um, when you were you were asking for people's mm-hmm. thoughts on this, and it was really nice to see as well that people were mentioning the S and M version because yeah. I mentioned Metal Up your podcast earlier on, and I think they they nailed it for me with S and M that the first disc is almost untouchable in what it is. It's mm. absolutely incredible, but you get halfway through the second disc and you're like, hang on, what? what's going on here this just sounds a bit like you know some some scores that were rejected from james bond films you know <laughs> right. um but but the, the way the strings complement this song it takes it somewhere where the studio recording that as metallica fans we're all so familiar with it takes it to just such a different place and makes it so much better for that as well without taking anything away from what the original recording is yeah, you're completely right. I think the S&M version, I did want to mention that before, is, is a highlight. And people should go check out uh, the music video just to see James as a boxing coach chewing a cigar. Like, it's a great, or, it's a great image. Or Kirk Hammett reading the news. That's also... Uh... <laughs> or, or the main focus of the video is a guy passing out and then these robot creatures coming out of his ear. It's like, fair enough. I mean, we've all been there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but I think, um, you know, the song sounds absolutely brilliant. There's just lots of nice kind of cute touches and string bends and, and, and stray ideas. What do you think about when it, when it, when it gets heavier, when it kind of gets into the more riffy, you know, sledgehammer motion? Yeah, I, I don't necessarily think it needs to be there, mm. if I'm being completely honest. It that, does feel that, like a concession, I feel, slightly. Yeah, I, I think I'm right in saying that and, and you'll you'll know the answer to this definitely i think i'm right in saying that this was the first song that was demoed for the two records i didn't actually know that but i mean that makes sense yeah and it yeah. was the demo is called moldy yes because, i knew yeah i knew it was called moldy yeah, yeah because it reminded them of bob mold um yes and the work that he does mm-hmm. so the, i think with the the bits that we mentioned earlier on the verses and the, the not so heavy chorus part that I think is where Metallica were, and I mentioned earlier on about how um, I, I was too young to experience the backlash. But you know, I am a completely different person to where I was five years ago in my life, and Metallica have probably got a lot more busy and a lot more stressful lives than I have. I mean, Kirk was thirty-three when Load came out, so effectively the same age as me. Yeah. Now you're going to change as a person so much over that period of five years. And it felt like looking back on it and I can only see it from looking back on it. It felt like Metallica weren't allowed to change because people didn't want them to. And if this was the first song that came out of Metallica having been on the road, I mean, how long were they on the road for with the black albums? What, two, two and a half years? Yeah, it was some, some sort of monster tour. Yeah. Massive, massive mm. tour. And then you're obviously going to need quite a considerable period of recovery after that. If that's the first thing that's coming out of you after that, like more power to you. If this had been a new band and this had been a debut album, I genuinely think we'd be talking about one of the classic rock records of all time. Right. I really do believe that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was just the the, the legacy definitely mm. coloured it uh, to to a certain extent. And with the with the heaviness outside of the second chorus, um, Kirk solo comes out single strings. Yeah. Sort of... Sorry, hang on. Sorry, I completely forgot to answer your question yeah. on that tangent there. <laughs> so. I think I think that they they Lars in particular 
is not a stupid person. He's not, oh, he's not thick. He knows what's going on. And I do, I have wondered many times over the years, because it does it twice, doesn't it? That, that slow yes. bit. I do wonder if maybe they turn around and thought, you know, we know that this is going to be one of the radio singles. We know that MTV is going to pick up on this. We probably need to put in this heavy bit to, because this is what people know us for. This is what people are expecting. You know, Metallica, metal, it's in the name. Yeah. You know, we've got to have that. I could be wrong, but there yeah. could be something in that. Yeah, yeah. And then the solo, which comes out, which blooms out, which is very nice, very pretty. It reminds me a little bit of Finn Lizzy or something like that. You know, very, very melodic from Kirk. And there's, I, lot, there's just lots of layers in this song that I think are expertly weaved. It has a nice hole. I love the solo. I mm. absolutely love the solo. I, I take it you're a guitar player yourself. Yes. So, yeah, I, I don't know if you remember from back in the day. They, I don't know if they still do them, but you used to get... Uh, Guitar magazines that would come with like a CD stuck on the front. And Total Guitar is the one I used to get in the UK. Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the same one. They, the one of the uh, tabs that they had one month was this solo with mm. a backing track. I can remember just being like fourteen and just coming home from school every night <laughs> until I nailed it. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely love it. And you're right; it just does add another layer to it because, in a way, it kind of the solo kind of comes out of nowhere mm. on this one. It's maybe not expecting it to come when it does and it's not he doesn't overdo it. It, it, it with the thing that's good about this song for me and and great about the, the load and reload records in general is it feels like metallica knew where the stop button was for, for the most part i think there are yeah. some there are some excesses in load the reason i like hero today is because it's a short it's actually the shortest song on load at oh, oh sorry it's a second short excuse me the shortest is wasting my hate uh this is the shortest of four minutes ready i mean you know when certain songs like the house that jack built are almost seven minutes and you know the outlaw tawns almost 10 minutes i think they pack a lot of ideas into hero of the day in what you say it's kind of like a pop single isn't it really it is it's it, it there aren't many songs that you can say with metallica that you could say this was written for the radio but yep. this definitely feels like it might be one of them you could maybe argue that enter sandman was as well mm-hmm. i don't know uh mm-hmm. who knows? i'm going down i'm going down a very long and windy road there. And, I, and i like when james is singing mom and they try and break me and all the various voices harmonizing in the dissonance it, it's beautiful any i would say to anybody who's listening to this i know that it's from the load and reload era so a lot of people may not give it the time that it deserves Listen to this song on a good pair of headphones if you have access to yeah. a good pair of headphones or just headphones in general. And don't go out and listen to it on the bus. Sit in your house, in your in your easy chair, as Hetfield would say, and listen to this on headphones because there's so musically there's so much going on. Yeah. Yeah, there really is. Even like at the end when it's building out the heavens, you can hear Kirk sort of doing little loady solos, little licks and stuff. And, and you know, uh, Jason's bass as well has just a certain attack to it. And yeah, I mean, you know, Hero of the Day, as I say, I went on Twitter, I asked the dear Alf Metallica fans what they thought. Here's a few impressions. Luke saying, love the song, shows off Hetfield's melodic clean voice very nicely. Uh, Paul Kyle saying, underappreciated classic, one of the best, one of their best songs of the 90s. Andy Hall, great friend of the show, Andy, radio star, Andy saying the best song of the Load Reload era. So people are, you know, outpouring. Uh, you know, our good friend uh, Ryan from Sava Bloody Podcast, definitely go listen to that, saying, Tom, I bet even you with all your Load era hate dig this one. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you're very right. Uh, uh, Brad as well, we just stand on for Helpless, saying, not a huge fan of the Load Reload era, but absolutely love this song. Love how it builds up slowly. And then we get for some rare for that time double bass from Lars. Also agree with everyone else about the S&M version. Perfection. So, um, I mean, any any closing thoughts on hero of the day jamie 
Uh, no, I think no. I've kind of said everything that I need to say about it. Mm-hmm. I just, I, again, I think the point that you made earlier on about all the different layers is right. And, and what you, when you just said there in the reading out of the tweets of the double bass from Lars that we don't get too much in, in that era of Metallica yeah. is, I just, I do wish that perhaps we hadn't had the backlash to it that we had because if we discount St. Anger, you know, we would we then go to Death Magnetic, which there was an argument, I think, in Kerrang! or somewhere at the time when it came out that was saying this feels like the only time Metallica have done what they feel like they're supposed to do. Yeah. You know, and go back to that sort of classic thrash sound that we know about them. I just wonder if the reaction to this hadn't been what it was and we hadn't had St. Angle where Metallica would be now. Because if you listen to Hardwired to Self-Destruct, you can hear a lot of the load type sound in it. I agree. Yeah, definitely. It's kind so, of a death magnetic load hybrid, I see it as. Yeah. And I'm just, I, you know, from a sentimental point of view, I'm just really glad that Metallica exist. And still this far into their career, they're not afraid to kind of keep taking risks, to be honest. I'm, you know, it's, it's strange for a band who've been around for 35 years that you're looking forward to their next record but in this case like you certainly are aren't you you know mm-hmm. well I mean, let us know down below what do you think of here today get in touch with me metallicapod at gmail.com if you've got any feedback and we'll read that out on the next episode which i believe is uh here comes revenge which is we've got quite a good set of episodes coming nice. up actually so yeah that's that's quite quite a fun song to dig into um so we will uh close up with a few quick fire questions you've have you seen them live so you've seen them a few times right yeah, I've, I've seen them three times. I saw them at the Milton Keynes Bowl in 1999. They headlined a one-day festival called the Big Day Out. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they had Marilyn Manson, Placebo, Ben Harper, Sepultura, and Creed were on the main stage. Creed, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and they had um, they had Diamond Head opening. They had a Kerrang stage, like a second stage. Yeah. And they had Diamond Head. Obviously, I didn't think about this at the time, but looking back on it when I was sort of preparing for this, I wondered if that was sort of a precursor to the Orion Festival. Um, yeah. In a way, because Metallica were very much in, in curation of that bill. Mm-hmm. So that was the first time I saw them. The second time I saw them was at the Reading Festival in 2003. Uh, when they had System of a Down as main support, uh, they opened with Blackened that night, which mm. was, oh, I mean, you know, is that is that where Lars couldn't drum, or is that another download? No, that was download. This was yeah. the one when um, uh, Lars and Kirk had a little bit of a jam uh, okay. after Robin Robin James went to the break, and they did Seven Nation Army by the White Stripes. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, quite fun. How, how two thousand and three of them. It was very 2003. Yeah, because the White Stripes were at that festival, but on a different day. Metallica okay. headlined Metal Day, which is kind of traditionally the Sunday at the mm-hmm. festival. Then there was the um, uh, the O2 Arena show that um, I was telling you about earlier on, the fan-only show, which came out. I think it was the same day that Death Magnetic came out. And uh, I have a friend who works in the music industry whose uh, name I won't mention, but okay. he invited me to the... Um, after show party uh, after that one so that was pretty cool uh, and then I had tickets to see them you're going to kill me for this I had tickets to see them again at the O2 Arena on the Hardwired tour and I didn't go what, why not? <laughs> uh, we accidentally um, we accident. well we didn't accident. we booked a holiday uh, to go to Iceland and I forgot right we well. were seeing Metallica that week and I booked a flight back actually to come back a day early to see them and 
uh, didn't end up just didn't end up coming back. It was spit out the bone night as well. Yes, it. Oh well, yeah, of course yeah. it was when they did. So um, yeah. So yeah. So so three times now. My my friend Marco uh, will be listening to this. Uh, who I was supposed to go and um, see them at the O2 with, and I'm trying to persuade him to come and see them in Las Vegas with me mm. or Las or Las Vegas. Las Vegas, love it. that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he's just. He's just not up for it. So, uh, Marco, if you're listening, like, let's go and, sort let's go it and out. roll some dice. Yeah, yeah sort it out, Marco. Uh, what's, your, what's your favorite song altogether in Metallica? Uh, we've just spent the last half hour. That is that is it. definitively your favorite song. Yeah, but um, uh, for for balance, um, if we were going to pick a second one, it would be uh, Wherever I May Roam mm. um, from the Black Album, which I just think is every time I listen to it, when it just get that you get that massive chorus, and it's just like. How how did this band do that? You know how how, how yeah. did where do these ideas come from? Yeah, you yeah. Know, how can you be that consistently good all the time? Yeah, that song has absolutely grown on me. I remember being a little apathetic a few years ago, but yeah, every time I hear it, I agree, it is is tremendous. Um, favorite album? Oh, it is load with, without question. It, it is, is load. load. Yeah, but um, if uh, if if again, if we do a second one, controversially, I think I might actually go with Hardwired. Like I'm still listening to that all the time i think it's fantastic it feels to me like there's a real balance of all the different eras of metallica's career now that we're dead is just an absolutely amazing song mm. um so yeah still really getting into that and like i said earlier on um it, that was actually another uh, i'll get to that in a second actually like i said earlier on it just you, it makes you look forward to what's coming next from metallica and i occasionally do night shifts at work and i did um the, the, the day that Hardwired came out, they did a signing at HMV on Oxford Street. So I went down and uh, tried to try. I couldn't get a ticket for the signing, but I was like, I'll just go down anyway. The signing was at midnight. And I went and I tried to get just see if I could get like a selfie with Lars Ulrich or Kirk Hammett. And Lars came out and was talking to everybody. And guess what happened? Go on. My phone, my phone battery died. <laughs> Naturally. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So that was that was that. So, yeah, when you're standing like as close to somebody as like, you know, you know, the person on the other side of the bar who's pouring your beer for you like you do get pretty starstruck when you're that close to them in the middle of the street and Lars is as tiny as, as everybody makes him out to be and uh, what about your favorite member is it Lars no it's not it's Kirk oh right Kirk's yeah. a rare one Kirk's rarely yeah. chosen it's either Kirk or it's James um Kirk I think particularly in um some kind of monster you can really see how important he is to the band and I think it was metal up your podcast that were saying this um it's really rare for the lead guitarist in a heavy metal band not to be the main member um mm. and i just I like he's obviously he's just a phenomenal guitarist he's there are people in the industry who could who are quite volatile and will say things in the press that maybe they're not supposed to he'd have been well within his rights to turn around and say some things back to dave mustaine and he doesn't. Yeah. And he, you know what I mean. He he's very could. zen, isn't he? I think he's meditated he's, he's, too yeah, much. Yeah. And I think I think to be in to be in a band with personalities as big as James and Lars, and you know, particularly like actually the sad the sadder elements of Metallica's story, you know, Cliff and mm. you know the band almost breaking up in the early two thousands. He's he's obviously a strong character, but but I, I feel a lot of I feel a lot of kinship with with james um i've been wondering whether or not to mention this but i might as well my my life has not been particularly different to to his to james hetfield right. you know discounting the fact that he's in a multi-million dollar rock band and, yeah. and i'm not but you know i, I lost my mum at an early age like he did and 
there's that one scene in St. Anger when he's talking almost straight to the camera and he's, he says, you know, I thought I was all right, but then I look back on it and, you know, I was 16 and my parents got divorced and then my mom passed and then I've spent since the age of 20 being really, really angry about this and it's ruined a lot of my relationships. And, and I was going through a, a, a period of, of counselling myself um, and I was to kind of deal with those similar issues and I watched it because it came onto Netflix and I watched it and I saw that scene and it was at that point when I was like, hang on, that's my problem too. Like, I knew that I was cross, but I didn't know why I was so cross about things. Mm. So going back and then particularly listening to St. Anger after that as well, it kind of made me appreciate him a lot more. Um, so I can understand, I, I feel like I can understand him in a way. I, I don't think me and he, he and I are, are, are that different. I, I, final question then, if you were to do podcasts like Alf Metallica on another band, what's a band you could do it unconfidently. Oh God, uh, Green Day. Um, Green. Yeah, that's been said before, and there definitely needs to be a Green Day podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the the one that would be really interesting would be Kiss. Um, there's a there's million just... kids Kiss podcasts, unfortunately. Exactly, yeah. and and also if if I can just swear for one second, please. I love Kiss, but there's so much shit that comes with it. You you know, like most of the songs that you're doing on this are, are good. Like yeah. with Kiss, it's a fifty fifty split, isn't it? <laughs> and that's that's probably being fair at that, you know. <laughs> But yeah, Green Day. I I could definitely see there being a Green Day podcast. It's kind of it's annoying actually because I obviously I do this show and I always wanted to be more bang podcast. And my friends actually hassling me to start a Talking Heads podcast, which I'd love to do. But it's like I can't do like five podcasts on the go. Maybe when I'm a bit older. Yeah. Also, as well though, like Green Day. When you got to the songs in the trilogy, I think that would be a bit of a slog as well. Yeah. Idiot. Jesus of Suburbia. Anything off Dookie, you're going to have a good time. You know, but you know, who knows about Amy? Who cares? You know, are they? Are they not? I'm, I'm not really that well of. They're not rated that highly on those Uno Dos, those sort of albums. If you've never heard them, I wouldn't. Uh, not there's, missing there's, out. There's, there's a song on Trey called X Kids, which, which is very good. But apart from that, I think you can probably just. I, I, I admire them for pushing themselves. They have one of the biggest records of the 2000s. Then they do a double album. Then they do a triple album. You know, immediately over stages, trimesters. So you got to give it to Billy Joe, I guess. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, as well as all of that that you said, they're one of the few bands that went from the underground to the top of the mainstream, back down to effectively an underground band, and then came back to, yeah. well, I mean, you can't, I think Green Day are probably a comparable size now to Metallica. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. I'd say they play the same sort of venues, sell out the yeah, same sort of numbers, it, it, yeah. It, it looks like if you've seen uh, their drummer's, uh, Instagram. It looks like they're going to be doing a 25th anniversary tour of Dookie next year, which is awesome. Really quite exciting. There definitely yeah. is. I can't remember where I found it. I found it on one of those obscure Metallica channels. There's a video of Metallica covering American Idiot or James and Lars covering it very oh, I, briefly. Um, we, we need another Garage Inc, don't we? Yeah. There's the video. Uh, there's the video from the tuning room where they play Love Gun by Kiss. Yes. That's. Yeah. You yeah. need that. Just one final thing, actually. Just going mm. back to Metallica, like. Getting into Metallica at that point, uh, the load point, it was a really strange time looking back on it to be a Metallica fan because we got four albums in four years. We had Load, Reload, Garage Inc. and S&M between 96 and 99. And now, obviously, the gaps are, are massive, you know, eight, eight years in, in some cases. So yep. it was it was weird when sort of Metallica start putting stuff out because I was under the impression that they would like corn or kiss and they were just really really prolific and things came out all the time and, and they don't have you done a garage ink episode yet we've not done one explicitly no i mean we've well, covered I, what songs have came up but 
I'm, I'm putting myself forward for it if you okay. ever decide no, to do one. I appreciate that. Yeah, we will. We will do one eventually, I think. The problem is it's sort of, because we're so song-by-song song based, it's kind mm. of ruining future episodes for us oh, to discuss. Yeah. But yeah, we could do sort of a general history and, you know, go through and explore the bands, definitely. And um, so, yeah, that's about it, really. I guess, finally, how do people get at you, socials, that sort of stuff? Anything you want to promo? Uh, well, I promoted the BBC Minute yep. already, but to be honest, the BBC get enough promotion, don't they? <laughs> um, uh, I'm, at, I'm, I'm on Twitter at JamieWH uh, underscore, uh, and if anyone lives in South East London and wants to hear me commentate on Charlton Athletic matches, you can. Uh, if you're going to a Charlton match, then you can go to the reception of the club and get a headset, uh, and I commentate for the visually impaired supporters there as All well. Right. So. Awesome. Uh, occasionally, I might, I might, I might even talk about Metallica if uh, we're going to get. <laughs> why not? Why not? Uh, as I said before, follow us at MetallicaPod, MetallicaPod at gmail.com If you want to come on the show, you want to do a song. We are pretty much booked up. What have we got coming up? We've got, as I said, we've got, um, uh, we've got. Here comes Revenge. Also, hit the lights. Holier than now. House at Jack Bill. I disappear. That's the next four or five weeks on the show. Looking forward to all those guests. Patreon is there. If you enjoy the show, you want to give back to the show, that's greatly appreciated. Comment below, subscribe, tell a friend uh, about the show. Subscribe to Metal Lot, your podcast that we mentioned several times before as well. They are an awesome show. I'm going to be on there soon as well. I'm not quite sure what we're going to be doing. We're either going to be doing Metallica's media appearances or maybe going through a history of all the support bands that Metallica have had. Those are going to be uh, really... I, I'm only... I'm mostly, I said to Clint, I want to do it just because it'll be fun jumping off points for us to just go on tangents about bands and yeah, stuff. So, uh, you know, that episode will be coming soon. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Jamie, thanks again. This has been great. Yeah, thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you.